0: Hey there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies! Welcome back to another episode of T for C. If you're interested in learning more about what it's like to work on the sales side of the tech industry and how to build a side hustle while you're grinding it out nine to five, It's probably more than nine to five, but then this is the episode for you because my next guest is an admissions coordinator and sales development rep, also known as SDR. Excuse me. Yes, SDR at an education startup called Bullseye Admissions and is slated to start a business leadership program at LinkedIn in the summer of 2021. But before I introduce you to David Rosenstein, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out bright and early Monday mornings. And pat inside, my friends, are unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four coffee.org and the sign up box is right there. And please make sure to check out my weekly live streaming show on LinkedIn, where I share coronavirus relevant career advice, interview guests live, take your questions and feature your comments. Just click on the link in show notes to follow me on LinkedIn. So you'll know when the show is live, you'll get an alert and you can tune in. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my next guest is David Rosenstein, an admissions coordinator and sales development rep at Education Startup. Bullseye Admissions, which connects high school students with admission strategists and personalized technology in order to strengthen their college applications for Ivy League and top 50 universities in the U.S. David himself only graduated from college, get this, six months ago in the spring of 2020, which I don't need to tell any of you was perhaps the worst job market in generations to graduate into. And yet, despite getting slammed with a coronavirus curveball, David pivoted and he hit a grand slam and got hired by Bullseye in September 2020. In addition to that, full-time day job. David also has a successful side hustle as the founder of DR Consulting, also known as Rosenstein Speaks. It's a business he started while he was still an undergrad and that he still operates to help students, and professionals launch their careers by optimizing their LinkedIn profiles and their resumes. While he was in college, David was laser focused on his extracurricular activities and internships with the goal of building up his brand as a top notch marketer. And by the time he graduated, he was named American Marketing Association National Student Marketer of the Year for his branding and leadership expertise, he was also the commencement speaker at the Robert H. Smith School of Business at the University of Maryland. We are going to be digging into all that in this episode. Meantime, if you are interested in learning more about how to break into the sales track of the tech industry, please check out show notes for this episode to see if David's espresso shots episode has already dropped. David, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you still caffeinated and ready to go?
1: Oh, Andrea, I have my cup of tea and it is fully caffeinated. I could not be more excited to be speaking with you. Your energy is just fueling me further.
0: Well, (laughs) speaking of energy, my friend, your LinkedIn profile notes that you are known as the human energizer bunny. How did you get that nickname?
1: I am so lucky that I had a brilliant marketing teacher who just called me that one day because she saw me sitting in the business school at 7 a.m. I had to do something for an early morning assignment and I was working with a student and I was being really dynamic and expressive with my hand motions. They were flying everywhere. And she ended up working really late that day. She left the building at around 7 p.m. And saw me in the same exact position. Now, given I had moved throughout the building during the day. I hope so. But in her eyes, I was sitting there the whole day. And I still had this dynamism and this enthusiasm. She just looked at me, eyed me up and down and said, you are a human energizer, bunny." Mm -hmm.
0: I love it. Well, David, as I said to you before we started this interview, because I had a window into some of your amazing qualities just by reading about you on LinkedIn, and I said, my hope for this episode for our listeners is that we can kind of bottle some of the David Rosenstein secret sauce here and just catch. The energy here so that if and when someone's having kind of a shitty day, they can just press play on this episode and feel re-energized so they can attack whatever problem they are dealing with. And I want you to know, David, that I have been especially, I'm like, my feet are just (laughs) making this sound here. I've been especially looking forward to this interview because in reading your posts and articles on LinkedIn, I've seen, wow, do you know your stuff? So I am super duper excited to introduce you to the Time for Coffee community because I truly hope and I know that your story will help to inspire our listeners to reach for the stars. And
1: you're such a great example
0: of the power of positive thinking and focus.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I am just, I'm so delayed. I'm so, I am just so elated, seriously, to be here and to be with the community. I am such a fan of your podcasts. And I feel like I learn so much every time another speaker comes on. And so I'm just thrilled to be one of the many talented people who have been on the other side of this microphone. Let's do this. Let's do it. So before
0: we get into what you are doing right now in both your day job and your side hustle, I was thinking maybe we could rewind the clock just a little bit To the spring of 2020, when you graduated from the University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business with a BS in marketing and management. And I frankly usually ask this question much later in these interviews. But because you just graduated and because your class was the first to be dealing with the economic fallout of the coronavirus, this is the question that I'm going to ask you Did you know what you were going to be doing? when you graduated?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. And I did. I had my whole life planned out. (laughs) I, frankly, I knew when I was going to graduate in May, I was going to be spending the summer working at a summer camp I used to work at. And then I would be starting my job in October. And so I was going to be moving to San Francisco to start LinkedIn's sales rotational program called Business Leadership Program, BLT. And so you can imagine the chaos that ensued when I got an email and phone call in late May saying, we're so sorry, but because of everything that's happening in the world, we are pushing off your start date until July of 2021. So first of all, there was chaos. There wasn't positive David. Sunshine was gone for a couple of days. And I decided in that moment, I would be continuing my business that I had started Frankly, and I'm happy to get into this a little later, but I had just recently started through my final semester. I officially legitimized my speaking and consulting business for students. And I was thrilled enough to say, for the time being, I'll just do this full time. And I was grateful that I had a lot of students who expressed interest in working with me. It was keeping me busy until I finally decided, I think I want to work for someone else again. And then Bullseye and I happened. But until then, It was definitely chaos for a couple of months. I will say that 100%. Wow.
0: So there you are like on top of the world. Obviously, the spring semester 2020 sucked because you were virtual and it wasn't the spring of your senior year that you had dreamed about. It was anything but it was more like a nightmare. But (laughs) at least you had your post grad like dream career lined up what do you think the takeaway is from that, David? Because at least the goalpost was moved. It wasn't removed for you in terms of LinkedIn. But what do you think the takeaway is for our young listeners who, like you, graduated in May 2020 or in June 2020 and are still struggling right now?
1: Yeah, I think it's so hard. And I am so blessed that I still have the job lined up in July, and I still found another job at Bullseye Admissions. And there are some students who their opportunities were taken away from them completely, and their companies sort of left them to the curb and said, good luck. And I think the biggest takeaway that so many of my peers and I are realizing the hard way is that a company is still a company. And as much as we can feel a personal affiliation towards it, I personally feel such a deep connection with LinkedIn it's still not a part of me. And it is so much of who I am, but I can't let it be the single thing that defines me. Because the moment that is taken away, then I might have an identity crisis. And that's not fair. No company should have the power to put someone into this mindset of, who are you if you don't have this company? And so recognizing and sort of putting on that mentality of nothing is permanent, anything can be taken away at any second, we have to constantly be proactive and creating opportunities for us in case everything falls out. I think that's something that me and a lot of peers have really, really been learning the hard way.
0: So how did you find the job that you have now at Bullseye Missions?
1: Oh, I was so, I was really lucky and the stars aligned. Last summer when I had interned at LinkedIn, one of my colleagues who I worked with, sort of indirectly, it was a friend of, or it was a coworker, of one of my intern colleagues. And luckily, all the interns, we had really good rapport. So I ended up building relationships with a lot of their teammates beyond mine. So fast forward to August of 2020, this a couple of months ago, I saw that one of those colleagues had posted saying, hey, here's an amazing company at an educational startup. And I was interested in education and technology and the intersection of that. It seemed like an entry level sales role. I looked into it. And it ended up being great. So I reached out to the person and said, hey, I don't know how much you know about this, but I saw you shared this job posting by this guy named Brian. Can you introduce me? And she said, yeah, he's my brother. And one thing led to another. I ended up speaking to the founder of the company. I was blown away by his vision and where he was taking the company. I interviewed and one thing led to another. And three months later, I couldn't be happier in this job.
0: Love that story. And... I hope our young listeners are taking that in because over 40% of job seekers find their job through people they know. It doesn't have to be people you know super well. It can be somebody yeah. that you've connected with on LinkedIn and used that connection. That doesn't always work, but it is usually through your network that you find a job. So keep that in mind. And that is why networking is super important. And we can talk about that later. So David, let's get into what you do in your current role as an admissions coordinator, sales development rep, which we learned in our Espresso Shots interview is also known by the shorthand SDR. Is it a virtual role? And kind of give us a sense of what you do.
1: Absolutely. I'm lucky that this entire company operates virtually. And so my day to day, I feel like most time, Andrea, when you ask someone, what do you do every day? I feel like you may get this response of, oh, every day is different and exciting and I never know what's going to happen. And frankly, that's not the case with me. <laughs> my, my day-to-day is very consistent. So I wake up, I get to, I'm quoting with my fingers, I get to work in my home office at 8.30 in the morning. The first thing I do is I read over reports from last night's meetings. And so I'll tell you a little bit about what my job is. But frankly, every single day and every night, My teammates are having meetings that I am scheduling for them. And so the next day, the first thing that I want to do to close the feedback loop is make sure that everyone showed up to their meetings and make sure that the meetings went well. So I'll check over those reports. I'll check my emails and any meetings I have for the day, which, frankly, I don't get that many. I'm not that popular. (laughs) I may have an occasional, maybe, maybe. You're right, Andrea. Maybe I will, my email inbox will start booming one day. But because I'm so new, my meetings that I have are still limited. I may have a stand-up meeting with a bunch of my teammates really early, but I'll spend the next three hours until lunchtime making calls with families who have requested information from our team. So I'll do it in 20 to 30-minute gaps. I'll take a 5 to 10-minute break, and then I'll go back to making the calls. And as I like to say, smiles and dials. I got that from this guy named Corporate Pro, um, and I think <laughs> that is just the perfect uh, yes. way to capture what I do. And then I'll take lunch. My lunch, I will either be taking it off and I'll be reading or I will be doing a speaking engagement for one of my side hustles with an organization or I'll talk about that later. But then it's back to more calls, maybe a couple of meetings. And then I clock out around 6 to 6.30. And then I might spend the rest of the day doing LinkedIn workshops, doing individual consulting sessions. But really, my day is... As they say, smiles and dials. <laughs>
0: smiles and dials. So what are the functions of your job and what are your various responsibilities?
1: Of course. And there are so many people who express interest in working with bullseye and say, you know, I, I'm I'm a junior. I'm interested in the college process. I just need more information. Or I'm a senior, my deadline is in three days. Ah, help. <laughs> this is so these are job- high school students high school students, or sometimes a parent or guardian who says, my child is going through this, help us. And so my job is, frankly, to call these families, call these students, figure out where they are in the process, what they specifically need help with, and just see how we can help. If they're looking for some financial aid information, maybe I might have a webinar that might help them out. Or if they say, I don't know if my essay is good, Well, maybe they might be a good fit for my advisors. So my job is if we identify that a family might benefit from more one-on-one services with us, then I'll introduce them to one of our specialists. And we have a really, really dedicated team that will have video calls with the student and the family together. And they'll walk through a little bit where you are in the process, maybe what we can do. And then maybe also how bulls I can help them. And so my job and my responsibilities are to identify what types of students are the best ones to be putting on my specialist's calendars. And then also, how can I do everything possible to get the family excited for the meeting and also make sure that family shows up? Because there's nothing sadder than when my specialist is so excited for a meeting, I said, you're gonna love this family. And then they cancel last minute. And that always breaks my heart. So my job and my responsibilities are to make sure and do everything in my power. So that does not happen. Yes. And
0: you have actually only been on the job for a couple of months. We're doing this interview on December 1st, and you started, I believe, right in September, but you're already showcasing your accomplishments on your LinkedIn profile. I really want to call that out for our listeners. You say in your accomplishments around what you've been doing at Bullseye since you started in September, that you're the first rep to have four sales close within 48 hours, generating over $10,000 for the company, and that you've exceeded company record of largest daily revenue, which is incredible. Why did you do that? Why did you feel it was necessary after a couple of months to put that out there on LinkedIn? And is this something, David, that you advise other young people to do on a regular basis to keep updating their LinkedIn profile?
1: Well, absolutely, Andrea. And the reason why I did it is because one of the biggest challenges that I hear when I work with students on their resumes, on their LinkedIn profiles, I'll revisit one of their current or one of their past jobs and say, what were some of the four or five biggest wins that you had in this job? And I will get a blank stare back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I get a eyes wide, jaw dropped, I I don't know. And the reality is, is, that always breaks my heart, because it's always when people are interested in jobs, and they start working on their resume, it's difficult to sort of create something when you haven't been tracking all of your amazing wins and accomplishments. So I always recommend and tell students, if you're in a job right now, It is your responsibility, not your manager, not any of your teammates. It is your responsibility to measure, track your accomplishments. Because fast forward three, four months, or maybe even three, four years, if you don't have that list, no one's going to be able to produce the metrics for that one project you ran three months ago for you. And so it's on you to track these wins. And also be communicating them, not just upwards internally, if you want to move up for promotions, but also externally, if you're interested in sharing and showcasing, I'm making a splash. Doesn't mean I'm interested in necessarily leaving my job. I just want to let the people in my network know that I'm in this job, and I'm doing well because of XYZ. And if you don't have those numbers, it's really, really difficult to say, I'm doing great, things are fine. So any data point I definitely recommend updating the LinkedIn profile. I personally update mine, I would say every two to three weeks, which is excessive. Oh my God.
0: I know. (laughs) Oh my God, David, that's amazing. Okay, I want to flashback to when you were at the University of Maryland because you were super active in extracurriculars, especially in the marketing space. You were vice president of marketing for the Smith Undergraduate Student Association. You became president of the American Marketing Association. Was that the College Park chapter?
1: Yes, that was the College Park chapter.
0: Got it. And you also participated in a whole bunch of marketing and sales-related conferences and summits. How did you choose what to participate in? And were you always, you know, I don't know if I would use the word intentional, but was that a deliberate decision on your part to pick the associations and the conferences and the summits in order to be able to quantify the impact of what you were doing as a marketer?
1: Absolutely. One of the things that I very quickly realized is I can't say, I'm a marketing student and Doors will go, wow, let let us open for you let's let's you can have any job you want i i very quickly realized that i was one of thousands of students across the country and so for me the first thing that i did to really try and stand out was take advantage of any leadership opportunity that was presented. Now, here's the thing. I want to make very clear that I didn't do every single conference application that I could. I wasn't applying to join every single club or leadership position that was available. I was really, really, really selective. And something that people will say, they'll look at my profile and go, oh my gosh, you did so many things when you were on campus. But the reality is I only did one thing at a time. And I was very clear around, I'm going to do this one thing. And I'm going to try and do it very well. And then before I move on to my next activity, I want to figure out what it is about my last job that I liked and what it is about my last role that I didn't like before picking an organization or a space that I can really thrive in. So for me, it's very easy to look at my LinkedIn profile and say, you know, David has always known he wanted to do marketing. But I'm not in marketing anymore. I'm really in sales. And the reality is that my pivot was so intentional and clear, but it wasn't something that looked really drastic. Because from day one, and from the get go, I was always very adamant around, I'm going to do things that provide me exceptional joy. And if they don't provide me joy, I'm going to leave them. <laughs> so the very first thing I did, I went to Maryland. I decided to join the VP of marketing of a club. No, no, I'm lying. The very first thing I did was I became a tour guide. I became a tour guide in my second week of being on campus. You can imagine how disappointed the families were when <laughs> they realized their tour guide was barely even a freshman. So that was... Oh, no. Was, were they really the- disappointed? You know, I have to say, when I said I'm a freshman, I definitely got a couple of eye rolls. So it just meant I had to work that much harder to make my tours stand out and that much more exciting for families. But luckily, I realized from that, I love being in a role where I'm presenting, and I love public speaking. And that was something I already knew, but it reinforced it. So as I joined this other role as VP of Marketing for SUSE, which was the business school student government, I quickly realized I love being on teams and leading teams. And then I decided to reinforce that a little deeper by saying, what would happen if I could be sort of at the top of an organization and drive the strategy and get to lead even more people than I was before? And it was just one thing after another that slowly helped me realize I love coaching people, I love managing people, and I love giving people the solutions that they need, which ultimately led me to realize sales is problem solving, and career consulting is helping students reach their goals. So I got to take a bit and piece of every single thing that I did into the role that I have now. And I credit that to the clarity and conviction that I have for knowing my future right now.
0: Incredible. I I think this is a wonderful learning moment. And I'm going to add in something that I got to experience from a guest whose Time for Coffee episode hasn't yet been released. It may have been released by the time This episode goes live. He's just an extraordinary person. His name is Steve Rimland. And what Steve's story, Steve started in the music industry. And excuse me, as a music student, he went to Juilliard and then he went to college and went to a super music focused, very intense college and studied music theory and composition and all of these things. And Ended up going into the music industry. I'm going to fast forward to today. Today, he is a serial startup entrepreneur, very successful entrepreneur. And one of the things one of his music teachers taught him, he said, Steve, there are only 12 notes in music. There are only 12 notes. It's how you arrange them Mm. that makes the music. So powerful. So powerful, and I think that applies to what you've done, David. Because even though you majored in marketing, even though you were focused in marketing in college, you're just rearranging the notes to go into sales. Ooh,
1: that was—I so, am. My hand is over my heart, and I am like pursing my lips, like. But this is going... That reg deep.
0: (laughs) All right? But this is what's going to happen to our listeners. You're just going to be rearranging the notes. Another way of Of putting it is your hard skills, your technical skills, and your soft skills. You're not locked in. The way that I describe this is your major is not the tiny house that you're going to be forced to live in for the rest <laughs> of your life. Life. It is the foundation of a professional skyscraper that you're building with each new job and each new career, adding a new floor in the skyscraper. And look at what David is doing.
1: I think that is so clear. And so many students feel so locked in to their majors. And frankly, it's not always their fault. I mean, I think about the people that I was exposed to the the finance students of the world, heck, they have to come up with their jobs and sign offers over a year in advance for internships and job positions. And that's crazy. And so there's so much pressure to get it right and get it right early. But the reality is, and I think you just embodied this so clearly with your metaphor, it's not too late to change ever. But It takes courage. And if you are willing to seek that out and say, you know what, I'm going to put a pause on this direction that I have now, not to completely pivot, but just to explore, that takes courage and know that there are people applauding you for even considering it. Oh my God,
0: 100%. This is it. (laughs) This is it, my friends. We are all afraid. We are all afraid. I've been in four industries and I've pivoted and I've done it. You know, it is scary. It is scary. But that is where the joy is. That is where the greatest learning is. And that is where you are able to discover what lights you up. What lights you up? Lean into what you're afraid to do. David, I want to talk a little bit about some of the internships that you had. One at Scholastic as a sales and marketing intern. I believe at Scholastic you worked under the umbrella of Scholastic, but you worked for Trade Cluts, which is such a great name. Another at HelloFresh US as a student consultant. And then lastly, at LinkedIn as a global sales intern. How did you get these internships?
1: Yeah, it's really, really a wonderful story for each of them. And the reality is, before I got the job at LinkedIn, HelloFresh wasn't even on my resume. The only thing that I had there was Scholastic. And I think sometimes when I speak with students, there's this boundary of if I want to get an internship at this insane, insane company that feels like such a stretch away, whether For me, that was LinkedIn. For you, it might be the FBI or maybe a research lab that's incredibly competitive. You may think that you have to have the most outstanding, outstanding experience on your resume. And you may think that someone who has 10 other internships that show that they're way more qualified means that they're going to get it over you. But that just wasn't the case with me. So Scholastic, I was really lucky because I knew I was looking on LinkedIn and I realized that I knew someone who knew someone who one of our really good family friends worked in a completely separate department at Scholastic. And so I asked him a little bit more about what it's like to work at the company that literally created my childhood. I mean, every single book fair. That was, that was my entire <laughs> elementary school. Yep. Yeah. And I got to ask him what the company looks like on the inside. He told me a bit about it and he let me speak with a couple of his teammates And then that was that. But then I ended up applying. I really hit it off with the recruiter. And one thing led to another. I spoke with the people at Trade Klutz, who are probably some of the most creative people I've ever met. And when I was speaking with them, it just became a really natural fit. So through the story with Scholastic, I was looking. It was March of my sophomore year. I had no internship. And so the first thing that I did was I asked, you know, who... Who do I know who is at a company that I may even be remotely interested in? I wasn't asking for a job, but I simply asked. And I think, Andrea, you always talk about this. I didn't call him and ask, can I have an internship? But I asked him, I just said, hey, I want to learn a little bit more about what life is like at Scholastic. And through the questions and through the conversation, doors ended up opening. But it was through that initial looking into who do i already know and so that was how scholastic existed as soon as i signed my offer for scholastic i was very laser focused on landing linkedin the next summer i was very very goal-oriented and i didn't know anyone at linkedin and so what did i do i cold messaged every single intern who had just announced that they were starting in around may and said hey congratulations on starting at LinkedIn. I'm just so excited to follow your summer journey. How did you find
0: them? Sorry to interrupt, David, but how did you find those young people who had just signed on as interns?
1: Good question. A lot of people fail to realize that the LinkedIn search bar right up on top, it kind of operates like its own Google search engine within the LinkedIn ecosystem. So all I had to do was type in LinkedIn intern and I filtered, present companies, people who work at LinkedIn. And sure enough, all of these people came up and a lot of them were software engineers. So I had to add marketing, sales, recruiting. And sure enough, a lot of different people appeared. And one person who responded, her name was Marin. She was incredibly talented and worked in inclusion recruiting. So I messaged her and said, hey, I'm just fascinated by what inclusion recruiting even is. Is it okay if one day after work, I just, I call you to learn more about how you're Job functions. And we had the most wonderful conversation. And I realized after that, she said, Yeah, our job is mostly on the back end of HR, really on the recruiting strategy. I don't speak with students. And I thought, Huh, that is awesome and nothing that I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> and because I made it very clear. I-, I said, Look, the idea of recruiting excites me because I-, I get to speak with people. And it doesn't sound like you do that in your job. So maybe you could help me as someone who does love speaking with people. Who would you recommend I speak with? And she said, oh, have you considered sales? And at that point, I really hadn't. But I said I'd be open to a conversation. That intro led me to the one person named Raza, who ended up being my champion throughout the whole interviewing process, gave me incredible perspective, and ended up really cheering me on the entire way. So LinkedIn, one thing led to another. That was how I found that position and how that one intro turned into the job. And I'd be happy to talk about how the interview process went, but oh yeah. I know the actually, last thing that actually
0: meant yeah. what I want you to talk about because you did post about this on LinkedIn or maybe it's on your no, it's on your website. Oh I that know you talk talking. about <laughs> how you used creativity. I mean you use creativity connect with all those people, first of all, but how you also used creativity to land the internship at LinkedIn.
1: Oh, yes. Well, this is probably the funniest story, because I saw that the job posting became available. I wasn't expecting it. So rule of thumb, if you're speaking with someone who you know has internships, ask when they get posted, Because I wasn't ready, and one day I was on a bus coming back from a trip from New York, I saw that LinkedIn had posted their sales openings. I know for those tech companies, they may get 2,000 people apply in one week. So I had to act quickly. So I created a resume from scratch that looked like the LinkedIn homepage. (laughs) I, I knew that I wanted to show that I'm really passionate about the product, about the company, and I want to go above and beyond. I was inspired by someone who applied to, I think, Twitter and Google and used either a Google homepage or a Twitter homepage as their resume. So I took a page out of that playbook. I made my resume that looked like a LinkedIn profile. I sent it to every person who I had developed a relationship with over the past four months. And fortunately, it got into the right eyes. And I actually got one recruiter reach out to me and say, you know, I worked at Disney and someone showed up to a career fair dressed as Cinderella. And this is up there with the most crazy things I've ever seen. (laughs) can anyone do?
0: (laughs) You were like, I will dress as a LinkedIn homepage. (laughs) I don't care. Whatever it takes.
1: Right? I will. That will be my Halloween costume. I'm committed. (laughs) I am sworn. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. And yes, happy end to that story. But as you saw, there was still the coronavirus curveball. So David did get the internship. Sorry. He got the internship and now he has leveraged that into the business leadership program, which has been postponed till the summer of 2021. David, let's pivot for our remaining time together and talk about DR Consulting, about Rosenstein Speaks, and the LinkedIn optimization and CV consulting service that you launched while you were still an undergrad at Maryland. How did you become an expert on LinkedIn?
1: <laughs> um, the answer is kind of hilarious and embarrassing, but I'm just a nerd. I <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm trying to um, remove the word just from my vocabulary. So let me rephrase I am a nerd. Yeah, I'm a be proud, proud nerd. about it. Be proud about it. Come on. I, I am. Because, you know, ever since my freshman year, I was the person who every time we would learn about how to build a resume or LinkedIn profile, fortunately, business majors get this taught in the classroom. But I always thought, you know, there's got to be more that's not being taught. So I followed industry trends. I followed resume writers on LinkedIn who were influencers. And I tested tactics myself. I wrote 90 different versions of my own resume. And I would constantly help out friends with theirs. I was always updating my LinkedIn profile. To the point where in early of my junior year, LinkedIn reached out to me and invited me to be one of two of their campus editors, where I was basically charged with this mission of getting more people on LinkedIn at Maryland. So I had all this knowledge. Now I was charged with promoting it. So through these presentations I was giving, I quickly became known as the LinkedIn guy, which was just more pressure for me to learn even more and constantly update my knowledge arsenal to the point where once I interned there, I got my full-time offer and I was still helping people casually. It wasn't until my entrepreneurship class in my final semester of senior year that my professor said, Everyone in this class, congratulations. Welcome to entrepreneurship. In order to succeed in this class, you have to start a business and your grade will be dependent on how much money you make. And when I tell you I gulped, I I had no interest in doing any work in my final semester. So I just thought, you know what, I'll do what I do best, which I'm already helping people with LinkedIn. Let me just legitimize the business. And fortunately, things took off. And after the semester ended, I got my A in the class and people were still reaching out. And so fortunately, since then, the one-on-one engagements have turned into speaking engagements, have turned into company-wide trainings. And it's just been so wonderful to be in this intermediary between I worked at LinkedIn, I will be working at LinkedIn, but I don't work there now. And so I get to sort of share these secrets and I get to help students in a way that I'm not representing the company. It's not an HR nightmare yet. And I know (laughs) I'm going to have to abandon the business in the way when... July does come and I do start. So just like you, I'm just so excited to help as many students as I can during this time.
0: What are some of the most common mistakes, David, that students make when job searching?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. The first one was a mistake that I made when I was starting. And that is when you start informational interviews, it's a lot. And it's a lot to go into a conversation and to expect someone else to drive the conversation. I think Bronwyn spoke about this on a previous episode. But when you come with sharp questions and you come expecting saying, I have 10 questions for you, I want to be respectful of your time. That's a big mistake that a lot of students make. And a way to get over that, too, is not just preparing, but to practice and not practicing on the people who are going to be your end goal. When I was in school freshman year, I had this big dream of working at Facebook. So I had informational interviews with every single person who graduated from Maryland who worked at Facebook. And I was so confident. I said, I know how to schmooze and speak. I'll be fine. And you can imagine how I burned every single one of those bridges because my questions weren't sharp. I didn't know how to research. So my advice to everyone here, practice on upperclassmen, the people who don't actually matter that much yet, and people who they're just students like you. You can have a conversation with them. And if you can master that, you can master the format that could take you to any conversation. I would say poor informational interviewing skills, and then also relying too heavily on actually applying. I speak with students who say, I applied to 90 jobs. Why haven't I heard back? And I say, well, what did you do? And they said, I clicked apply. And I sort of bury my head head in my hands and say, it's so are thousands of other people. If thousands of other people are doing that, you're not gonna get any different results than them. And so not relying on networking and relying on networking too prematurely before you feel comfortable. Those would be the two big mistakes I see.
0: Yes, and I just wanna clarify something. When David said showing up, for an interview, he mentioned Bronwyn Salambani, who was one of the guests on Time for Coffee. And you can just go into the Time for Coffee website and put Bronwyn, B-R-O-N-W-Y-N in the search bar and you'll see her episodes. But you do want to show up and say, I've got 10 questions. If you have time, I want to be respectful of your time, but I would love to have the opportunity to ask you, these questions. That is what you want to be doing. You do want to have researched them and you do want to be prepared. So, just to clarify, David, what advice do you offer your young clients about how they can find their dream job?
1: Oh, that's such a wonderful question. And so often students come to me and say, I know I want to work at Google. And I say, why? And they go, well, because it's Google. And they put the magic outside on the company. The secret to starting with and finding your dream job is by really identifying what's most important for you. When I speak with students, one of the first questions that I ask them is, what lights your fire? What is the thing that gets you excited to no end? What are your interests? And for me, it was always helping students and giving presentations. And then also, what are your skills? What are the core competencies, hard skills or soft skills that you want to showcase in a role? And for me, it was always public speaking and relationship building. And when you can find the intersection of your interests your skills, and then what makes money, it's sort of this three-way circle that that is the way to find your dream job. Now, the reality is it may not be super easy. Some dream jobs for me, sales was readily available. And I can sort of fall into that. But I worked with a client a couple of months ago who she knew she was interested in energy and in renewable energy, clean. She has an engineering background. Her dream job wasn't really that available to her. So what we did together is we came up with a strategy to find professionals who were semi related to fields that excited her and we just asked her to have conversations and through those conversations she always ended each conversation by saying from speaking with you i learned x and i'm so grateful i did i'm also interested in learning about y which i know you're probably not the best person to speak with so who would you recommend i connect with and that introduction was so respectful and opened up the network exponentially because now she was speaking with the network of the person she was talking to And so through the conversations and through the self-introspection, boom, she ended up finding her dream job just a little over a month later. So it's hard. And you have to be very clear in terms of what your interests are and what your skills are. If you're not sure what those are, I definitely recommend taking a skills assessment quiz or a personality quiz or asking around the people around you saying, hey, what do you think are some of the things that I'm best at? Who are the people who you work with in any side jobs or leadership roles? They might have more perspective for you than you may think.
0: Okay. I spent 20 years as a journalist, and we have like shorthand, especially for broadcast journalists, but really for any journalist. When a sound bite goes off, right? Like when you hear that sound bite that you want to use in your story, be like alarm bells. Alarm bells were going off in my head here because, <laughs> friends, what David just laid out there is how you network. Strategically, that is the purpose of informational interviewing. I like to describe it as it's the process of like, it's the Goldilocks experience, you know, <laughs> and that, and frankly, that is what internships are for. It's sampling bowls of porridge to find the one that's the right <laughs> temperature. So you go through these experiences, you talk with them and you learn and through the process of learning and connecting in an authentic way with the person on the other line, whether it's a picture, Zoom, or whether it's a phone, you are building your network in a meaningful, strategic way. Look, I could keep David on the line here for the rest of this day, okay? Because he's just a gold mine. I have a few final questions to ask you, David, and, and really one of them is about your positive mindset and the fact that you confessed, you shared with us, which I deeply appreciate, the fact that the Energizer Bunny, upbeat guy, David Rosenstein, you know, had a couple of days where he struggled. And my gosh, who could blame you when LinkedIn (laughs) pulled the rug out from under you? But I do believe it was your positive mindset that got you back on track. How have you cultivated this positive mindset? And how important do you think it's been in your success to date?
1: Yeah, it's definitely been... I've been doing a lot of thinking about my positivity and my energy, especially over the past couple of months. When I was personally preparing for my own interviews when I was thinking about job seeking after LinkedIn did pull that rug, one of the things that I really wanted to lean on was my energy. And I think one of the ways in which it's really helped me is the fact that I know it's something that is unique and is something I've leaned into. The reality is that everyone has their own communication style and everyone has their own type of energy. Whether it's you know introverted, whether it's extroverted, whether it's ambiverted and a hybrid of the two, whether you're the person who is incredibly diligent and in taking notes in the back corner so that you can synthesize the meeting really concisely, or whether you're the person who is in the front of the room bringing it out. There's a spot for everyone. And I think what I've been able to recognize is who I am And what I deeply value is enthusiasm, is energy. And so I haven't shied away from that. What I have seen, though, is I've spoken with students. And sometimes when I give workshops and training sessions, I have students who reach out to me and say, how do I become such an energetic public speaker? And that's not the answer. The answer is not to move towards energy if it doesn't feel authentic to you. What I recommend and what I recommend that everyone does is try and identify what type of communication style you have? How can you figure out how to lean into that a little bit more? And then how can you cultivate that and constantly get feedback to see how you're doing? For me, the reason why I lean into the energy that I do, and the way in which I keep my energy, frankly, I get a lot of sleep. I try and go to bed at 1030 every night. Me too. Um, Perfect. We're the same in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I cut out a lot of toxicity in my life. I only make time for people who give me energy instead of draining me of it me too in the moment of course the moment you recognize i'm sure andrea you're the same way the moment you recognize someone sucks energy out do you cut them out
0: yes but i but i only Tapped into that awareness, like in the last several years, David. So you are light oh, wow. years ahead of me,
1: and I'm sure since you've been doing that, have the results just been yes. completely transformative? Yes. Yeah. And so for me, that's been that's my secret sauce. We could boil it down to really how I stay happy and upbeat, and to really taking care of mental health and constantly checking in with myself, both through myself and through therapy, which I'm undeniably obsessed with. Me too. Um, of course, we love therapy. Love and it, and then also keeping those constants in my life in terms of the sleep and the people and then leaning into the thing that gives me energy, which is, well, my energy. <laughs> I I, I'm so lucky that I get to do a job every day where I hang up the phone, close my laptop and say, how is this a job? How is it that I get to speak with students every single day? Because I told myself in college, if I could be a tour guide for the rest of my life, I would. And frankly, there's not a lot of money in that field. <laughs> and it's kind of sad to be a campus tour guide, but what I'm doing right now is frankly, the closest thing to it. And how wonderful that I get to do that every single day. So Mm. that's my source of joy.
0: Love it, David. Oh my gosh. So two final questions, David. Could you share a time in your professional life, and maybe it's when you were interning or volunteering in one of your extracurriculars, but most importantly, a time in your professional life When you struggled, when you had a challenge kind of showing up, bringing your best self, but most importantly, how you persevered and if there was a lesson you learned in the
1: process? Oh, goodness. That's such a good question. And for me, the biggest challenge that I faced over the past five years was something that's not on my LinkedIn profile. If you look on my LinkedIn profile, it seems like I just sort of seamlessly hopped from one leadership role to another. The reality is when I finished up freshman year, I became president of our business school's LGBT student organization. And I became president of that group. And by the end of my presidency, which ended three months later, the entire club fizzled. I wasn't relying on my team I tried to put too much on my own shoulders. I tried to grow the club and keep it alive. And frankly, I wasn't I wasn't delegating as I should have. And by the time I left, the club was gone, obliviated. And that was for me a low point in my career because I had thought up until that point, oh, I I, I have such wonderful leadership skills and I know how to work on teams. And that was such a clear moment that said, hey David, maybe you need to check in with yourself. And so I dedicated myself after that to saying, I need, need to work on my leadership abilities. And I need to get better at working on teams. So what I did to sort of learn and bounce back from that opportunity was I put myself in another leadership role (laughs) immediately after. And I put myself in a role and I said, here are the things that I want to work on. I communicated that very clearly to my team. I said, I want you all to hold very high standards for me, because I will be checking in with you all on how I'm doing very, very frequently. And we would do one-on-ones with my team almost every week. And I would ask them, how are things going? How am I doing? And I would also share the feedback right back. I would also learn from mentors. I was lucky enough when I joined that next organization, I had the best president in the world, Zach Asriel. He was the one who was teaching me what good leadership meant. So to the point where the next year when I changed into the American Marketing Association presidency, I have learned so much from him I had taken so many management courses, I had inhaled so much feedback, and I have read so much literature on what good leadership meant that fast forward to the end of my senior year, I was being awarded for my leadership efforts, which if you told sophomore David that you're going to be awarded for your leadership skills as a senior, I would have called you preposterous <laughs> because uh, frankly it was embarrassing how low my self esteem was. But the reality was with my leadership skills, I never no matter how many clubs I joined, and I rejuvenated, it still was never enough. And I felt, and I always felt this gap in my heart that said, you know, David, you still killed this community, there was still this community, which I know it wasn't 100% my fault, but I definitely didn't help in the process. So you can imagine how wonderful I felt at the end of my senior year when Some faculty members asked me um, if I would be a part of rejuvenating the club again for when I leave. And I'm fortunate to say that now it's in amazing hands under wonderful leadership like Joey Ward and a couple of Maryland students. And they're rejuvenating and reviving it. But that has sort of closed the loop on that one sort of low point in my life. But if there's anything that anyone can learn from that story, it's that even your biggest weakness or even your lowest point can become your strength. It takes a lot of work, a lot of vulnerability, and a lot of intentional asking of what can I do to be better?
0: Oh, my gosh. David, thank you so much for sharing that story with us and really taking us through that journey and ending with such a fantastic, uplifting message. Final question. If you could go back to the University of Maryland's Smith School of Business and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have now, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Looking back at college, there were two things that I think I did really well and one thing that I definitely wish I did more. The first thing I did when I got to college is I really didn't put too much effort into my social life for the first semester, first year. The friends that I made, I was really fortunate that they were the same friends who existed on my floor. But I put a lot, a lot, a lot of energy into my schoolwork and into networking and interviewing. I ended up getting an internship interview in my freshman year. And did it go well? Of course not. But The fact that I had that experience of falter in my freshman year meant that when junior year happened and the internships were more serious, I already had learned from my failures. I also had a really comfortable GPA after my first semester that I could really lean on. And it was really sort of preserving that rather than trying to improve it moving forward. I speak with a lot of students who maybe they spend their first semester not focusing so much on their grades or their professionalism and they have to play catch up the rest of college. And I got to sort of take a breather for the rest of the three and a half years because I put so much time up front. So I would say that's something that I definitely would share with other people, but then also what I would do differently. Stop messaging Facebook alumni as a freshman, David. You don't want to work at Facebook. You don't know why you want to work at Facebook and you're not ready to speak with them. You don't even know what you're looking for yet in life. Save these contacts that are amazing professionals for if- you ever get the conviction of what you're looking for, and if you develop the interviewing chops from talking with upperclassmen. But don't burn that bridge yet. You're too young, you're naive, and calm your ego. Those would be the two things I would say to baby David.
0: (laughs) David, oh my gosh. I want to let our listeners know, David is also a professional magician, something he started developed a passion for when he was three. It's an incredible story. And we didn't even touch on any of that. And he started a business out of it. It's an amazing, amazing story. And I'm telling you that now because David is going to come back on time for coffee because we have not finished with him yet. But He has a job to do today. He has his day job and I have to let him go. I want to let you know if you are interested in learning how to break into sales in the tech space, check out show notes to see if David's Espresso Shuts episode has already dropped. David, I just cannot thank you enough for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. You are such an incredible young man. I just can't wait to see how you evolve over your professional life in the years to come, because holy cow, are you off to an amazing
1: start. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for letting me join this community. I'm just so excited to be on the other end. And if there are any listeners who are interested in learning more about LinkedIn, I, when I was going through the process, had so many warm people that responded to my messages, I would be more than happy to reach out to and connect with any T4C listener. So mention that you are listening to the podcast and know that my phone is open for you. So Andrea, thanks for having me and just so excited to be here.